Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. I want to lead you in a pledge. I didn't know I was going to do this ahead of time or I'd have had them put it up on the screen. Listen to the words, and if you want to agree with me and say it, follow me. You're quite welcome to. You know, we live in a time where our allegiances have been been confused over the last few years. Should I be a patriot? Should I not? Should I be more patriotic towards this country and, and our government and systems or whatever party or anything or to my God and God's got to be first so just it's Jesus it's Jesus it's Jesus it's Jesus without Jesus we won't even have a country Amen. and uh, I want to just this is my pledge I pledge allegiance to King Jesus the Christ and to the kingdom in which he rules and reigns. I devote myself to honor and obey him in all things. I pledge to seek Jesus, to know him, to hear him, and to honor him above all else till he fully reigns in my life and in those I meet. Now, if you'd like to say it with me, I'll say one line at a time if you want to follow me. I pledge allegiance to King Jesus, the Christ, and to the kingdom in which he rules and reigns. I devote myself to honor and obey him in all things. I pledge to seek Jesus to know him to hear him and to honor him above all else till he fully reigns in my life and in those I meet amen amen thank you guys what what an amazing time worship and what an amazing presence in this house today Wow. Uh, wow. Wow. It, everything, the song couldn't have picked out better for what I feel like the Lord is wanting to say to us today. Uh, I, I have been through five or six different things I wanted to share. And, and it didn't come together till this morning. And, it, and it's like, and not, not early either. But, uh, I want to say to you guys, how we live our lives matter. Not just what we say. Every day, everywhere, how we live our lives matter. If it's the girl behind the register at the store, it matters. How we live our lives, because we're here to represent Jesus and to bring his kingdom and his rule to earth. 
right? We have, we have a purpose. Somebody made it really, really simple. Recently, I heard this said, and it's so simple. <coughs> what is my call? My call is to know him and to make him known. It is that simple. It's not complicated. Everybody wants some title. Well, if, if you're going to live your life based on a title, you better have title insurance. Because it, do, it doesn't take much to get that title knocked down. If that's the only weight of your life is a title, no weight on it whatsoever. <laughs> buy, buy title insurance or you'll be in trouble. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How we live our lives matter. Matthew chapter 5. I'll be reading from the Passion, not... Yeah, the Passion Translation. Uh, you know, we part of the, the name of this church says that uh, it's a place of refuge. It's also a la launch pad for transformation. You can't have transformation. Until you first have repentance. In other words, be willing to let my mind change. Be willing to turn from what I think is absolutely, this is how everything's got to be, this is the way. And if I'm not willing to repent or let my mind be changed by God, let everything. You, you don't know how many times in my life things have had to be uprooted and started all over. I mean, in the pastorship too. Like, well, no, no, you're supposed to lead. Well, I, I can't lead you correctly unless I'm constantly being transformed by the renewing of my mind through the washing of regeneration by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. And without that, and if I'm not having that, then you're just going to get the same old, same old forever. And that's insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. It's flat-out insanity. Really, I... We, my wife and I do counseling with people sometimes in marriages, and, and, and the wife's always wanting to say, my husband's broke, he needs fixed. And the husband's always saying, my wife's broke and she needs fixed. And if she gets fixed, my marriage will be better. And she's saying, if he gets fixed, my marriage will be better. And, and the whole time is they keep doing, both of them keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Sometimes I have to look at them. I said, you know what your problem is? They say, well, I said, you're insane. <laughs> We've done it. We've done it. I said, your problem is you're insane. Because you won't, you won't change something. You won't change something. And you want this, this, this whole thing to change. You keep wanting God to change the other. Don't we want that in life, right? God, fix everybody around me, and my life will be a whole lot better. <laughs> you know, church would be absolutely perfect without people. <laughs> It'd be so wonderful to just come here and fall down at the feet of Jesus and enjoy his presence and go home and don't have to deal with people. 
Ben Franklin had it right. He only missed one little part of it. Ben Franklin said, God is great. Beer is good. People are crazy. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, God is good. Wine is, God is great. Wine is good. People are crazy. <laughs> it's like, no, people are crazy. We're insane. We're, we're, we're addicted to our own ways. We are actually addicted to having our way. We're addicted to being right instead of being righteous. We're addicted to it. I mean, if I have an argument with somebody, all I'm trying to do is be right and be known as being right. And I may forsake righteousness in the midst of that. That's the danger. We're called to be a people of righteousness. We're not called to be right. I'm not called to have all the answers, John. I don't. But I know who to bring my questions to. Amen? I know who to fall on. I know who to, to ask for help in time of need. His name is Jesus. God, Jesus is being glorified in this house today. This is an amazing day. Super Bowl day. And I told my wife during worship, I said, you know there's a Super Bowl going on right now in this house. During worship, I said, right. I looked at her in the spiritual realm. I went, Right now, there's a Super Bowl going on. And it's a brand new day. It's a good day. Everybody say, it's a good day. Because how we live our lives matter. And I want to read Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to read a little bit. And I'll have you guys out of here by 4 o'clock, I promise, by halftime. So you get this. See at least one commercial. No, it'll be way before. It'll way, be way before that. Well, I, I got to the point. I, Super Bowl don't mean a lot, but I really enjoy some of the commercials. <laughs> just me. It's just me. Whoa! Okay, Matthew chapter 5, <laughs> starting in verse 1. One day Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him. My God. So he went up the slope of the hill and sat down with his followers and disciples spread over the hillside. Jesus began to teach them, what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? Basically, when you, come, when you realize just how much you need him. You actually become a whole lot happier when you realize, I have lack. I need the Lord. That's the, that is my strongest day of my life. When I'm weak, he's strong. My strength is fine, realizing, God, I am nothing without you. Absolutely need you. For there is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? 
for you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness. For you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy. For tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What you sow, you reap. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God. For then your eyes will be open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace. For then you'll be recognized as the true child of God. So in other words, how I live my life matters. If I'm a person going around making peace, I'm going to be recognized for what I'm doing. Not just what I'm saying. Words don't mean nothing. Brother Hilton Foster always told me, he said, you, your actions speak so loud I can't hear a word you're saying. And you know the world's saying that about the church these days. Our actions speak so loud they can't hear what we're saying. They deserve better. They deserve better than people who say we're followers of Jesus Christ. I owe it to my wife, my family, my church, my community. I owe it to every person I come in contact. I owe it to them. To live a life that shows them Jesus. I owe it to them at whatever cost it is to me. I owe it to them. I owe it to this world. I pray every day now when I wake up, every day I say, Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life today. Somehow I want to bring you glory, and I want to touch at least one person with your love today. Just want to be able to do that, to honor you. It's still about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. The main thing is still the main thing. Got to always be. Not my will, but yours be done. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right. For that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kind of crude lies about you. Because of your love for me. Now this is red letter. Jesus speaking. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great. For you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Your lives are like salt among people. But if your salt becomes bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Through Jesus. Flavorless salt is good for nothing. And will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. I'm going to tell you this again. Your lives light up the world. Let others see 
your light from a distance. That doesn't mean let them hear what you have to say about how much light you have. <laughs> they should see your light before you say a word. Preach always if you have to use words. Try that on your families, and you'll get a lot further. Isn't that right, babe? What kind of change have we seen in our older kids in the last few years and some things that we think was impossible to happen? We didn't use words. We let our light shine before them. It's amazing how much they learned or caught instead of what we thought we had to teach them or say to them. They catch something from, your, from who you are. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it under an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in a house can benefit from its light. You're placed in the house so that everyone can benefit from your light. You're placed in the house so that everyone can benefit from your light. Somebody say amen and I'll move on. Okay. You don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commend... Here's the... Jesus said this. So that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give praise to your Father in heaven. Amen. Let people see the commendable things we do. So they'll begin to praise God. <coughs> well, there's, I could, I could go right now and for time, I will, I will. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, uh, there's so much, gosh, I could jump from. But I just want to read a couple of things. My dear brothers and sisters, James chapter 2, verse 14. My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat. But you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup. What, what good is your faith? So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. There is no replacement for a surrendered life. All the preaching in the world, all the teaching in the world, all the knowledge in the world, you can quote this book from cover to cover, 
But if you don't have a surrendered life, I'm going to tell you, go preach to somebody other than me. Because I believe your faith is phony at that point. You have a knowledge of God, but you don't come to the truth. And the truth is Jesus. There are many who have a form of godliness. It's all in form, right? It's all laid out. It looks like this, this form of godliness. But they deny the power. And it's, and it's like, it's not just the power to pray for people and see them be healed or to give a prophetic word. If I deny the power to first affect me, what if I do, if I deny the power that, that wants to work in my life? And it's called grace. The word grace, when I was young, all I learned about the word grace was it's deserve, undeserved favor. And that is so, such a shallow definition. Grace is God's power and ability that he already has given you. The moment you accepted Christ, he put his power and strength inside of you to become everything he sees when he looks at you. Because his vision for you is so much bigger than yours. His vision for you looks different than what you, when you look at the mirror. As much as you think you've grown, there's so much more ahead. Because he sees the finished product even from the beginning. Amen? He has much higher hopes for you than you have. His ways are higher. Right? His thoughts are higher. It's like, God, I can't fathom the things that you have in store for those who love you. I didn't say it. He did. I have things you, I, I have things you haven't heard of. Well, no, no, God. No, no, you got to fit in this box. No, I have things you haven't heard of. Eyes not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. The things I have in store. But we don't go to the storehouse too often. The things I have in store for him that loves me. Amen? For mine, my beloved. I mean, what? Wow. I don't know if you know it, but as we're singing about him, my beloved, you're so beautiful. He's singing it back to us too. He absolutely is in love with his church. He is so in love with his bride, his church. Wow, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. But my wife was, and I was having a talk this morning. So I'm changing topic a little bit, but we're still on the same page, I think. It's a collage. Uh, I've I never been one for painting inside the lines. I have a garden at my house. It's a wildflower garden. My neighbor has a garden across the street. I love looking at her garden. She has these, these plants, a nice little singled out in their spot. And then there's other plants that complemented, singled out. Everything's in order. It's a, it's a neat, clean garden. I look at my garden, and it's just Colors everywhere, all kind of stuff. Some tall, some short, it's just piled in. And every now and then I throw some more wildflower seeds in there. And, and it's what my church looks like. I think it's beautiful. 
But I, I think hers is beautiful, too. I love looking at hers. And she comes over and admires mine. But for some reason, she just can't change the way she does her garden. And I can't change the way I do my garden. Because this is my garden. That is your garden. It's not my job to go throw wildflower seeds in her garden. It's not her job to come over to my house and, and cut and clip things and pull up things so it has neat little spots. What if I said it's not my job to fix you? What if, if you're God's garden and he's got a certain specific design that brings delight in his heart when you're everything that you're supposed to be? And he's absolutely delighted in what it looks like. Nobody else can understand because their garden doesn't look like mine. Doesn't match. Just ask him for help. He'll give you fertilizer. He'll let fertilizer happen. May I say some of the crap in life is real good fertilizer for growth. Some of it makes the prettiest flowers. Some of it gets you through the worst storms. As long as you go through it with the Lord. Absolutely needy. Well, my wife and I was talking back there, and, and uh, we was talking about the church, where the body of Christ has been for the last few years since this, I hate to even say the word anymore, but I'll say it because I want to get it, get it behind me. This COVID stuff started. This stuff. That, that distorted our country, distorted our world, distorted some of our lives. Some of us have been affected by it. Let me say this. COVID's real, but so is fear. And those two things have gripped people's hearts so much. We, we fight over, have you been vaccinated? Yes. Have you been vaccinated? No. And it's like, oh, well, I can't like you because you haven't. I can't like you because you have all kind of stuff like this. Foolishness that we, that we get wrapped up in. In the, in the sake of wanting to be right. And, and here's what I believe. And I, I've had to answer a couple of people who said, well, pastor, you think I should get vaccinated? I said, I think what you should do is whatever you do, do by faith. Whatever you do, do by faith. If you get vaccinated, do it because you believe God told you to do it. You believe it's the best thing. And, and you're doing it having faith this is going to help and God's going to walk you through it. If you don't do it, do it because you believe God told you not to do it. Have faith that God's going to protect you and walk you through it. Both ways. Have faith because faith pleases God. And it's not for me to decide how God spoke to you. It's your garden. It's his garden he's working out inside of you. But do not be led by fear. Fear is not a fruit of the Spirit. Fear is not a good teacher. It's not a good leader. Fear will bring you in places that lead to torment. Scripture's clear. Fear has torment. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. It's not of God. 
It's a tool of the enemy, and that has been one of the things I've seen Christian after Christian after Christian. Well, Pastor, I'm scared. Don't, don't act on it. That's not the Holy Spirit talking to you. And it's hard to get somebody to break past that. I have, the only thing I think I did right, my wife had COVID. I tested negative, but I had a couple of symptoms for a day and a half. She got real, real sick. Actually, for a couple of months, she fought with it, right? It's like lingering effects afterwards. Some of you guys may know. Some of you guys lost loved ones to it. So it was real. But the thing I could not allow to happen because I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a believer. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same faith I had my whole life that I've been a Christian, knowing that he's going to protect me, he's my keeper, he's my source, he's my provider, is the same faith I have now because I refuse to let fear cause me to make decisions. I, I could not allow fear to become my guiding force. I cannot. It's vital. It's, I war against it. I mean, whatever it takes. People would start telling me something, and like all the bad news. And you feel that, grit, that fear just wants to say, yeah, you know, you better be afraid. Man, such and such next door has COVID. So let me lock myself up in my house and hide. If I remember correctly, Jesus walked up to lepers and touched them and healed them. The good in him was stronger. He that is within me is greater than he that's in the world. I believed that my whole life. And if you're my age, I'm 69 years old, and some of us are close to that age or maybe even older. Whoa. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. The deal is, how many diseases has come along since you were born that was supposed to destroy mankind? Yeah, it was supposed to wipe out mankind, man. It's, it's like you name it. You name it. I don't know what the next one they're going to call, man. Maybe it's going to be the, I don't know, the butterfly flu. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Take it up, take that flu and shove it up your nose, devil, because I'm not, I'm not here to grab hold of it. Really. Put it where the sun Jesus doesn't shine. No, I know. I like puns, but put it where the sun doesn't shine. I just happen to believe there's somebody greater in me. I happen to still believe it. I actually believe it more than I believe the news media. Imagine that. I believe Jesus more than I believe Facebook. And if you don't, I worry about you. I've had people come up to me. My wife and I, they would tell stories, and they would say, oh, my gosh, this and this and this is going on. I know it. And I said, really? I said, where did you learn that? He said, I read it on Facebook. <laughs> and I'm going, well, that must be true. 
God, people are crazy. Help us. We're crazy. We don't know who we are. We forget who we are. We're, 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 we're more like John the baptizer. When they're ready to cut our heads off, we forget who we are. Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? Now, look, I'm, I'm not knocking that because if John the baptizer, the cousin of Jesus who knew him explicitly well, grew up with him, even at that moment of crisis in his life, questioned it, I, I don't judge you in any kind of way for questioning where God is in your life and how strong he is. There's nothing wrong to question it because that's how you find out really what stands in the test of time. You find out not what you said you believe, but what you really believe. Yeah. There you go. Well, we, we have declarations, and I realize we do declarations to try to teach our soul and mind to finally come in line with the truth. I get that. I totally get that, and I believe in that, and I do it. But at the same time, it takes a while sometimes for my life to match up with that declaration. And then the only way I know if I've grown is these tests. I have along the way. And if I pass, see, there, there's this saying that it's, it's not a biblical saying, but it, there's more truth to it than we know. And I'm not saying it's absolute truth, but there's some truth to it. What doesn't kill you strengthens you. Really. The flu or cold I caught today makes me stronger for the next virus that comes along. Honestly, people ask me, my wife and I, have you been baptized? I mean, have you been baptized, vaccinated? <laughs> wow, isn't that amazing, Lord, that some people think that that's as strong as the baptism. Wow, it's amazing. But some people say, have you been vaccinated? I said, yeah, by fire. <laughs> and I had relatives write me Facebook stuff. Well, you know, you need to do this, or you need to do this. And then I said, I said Lord, that's already taken care of. Well, what did you do? I said, I've been vaccinated by fire. <laughs> they said, what do you mean? What's this fire stuff? I want to know about it. I'm serious. I've had Facebook's back. What's this fire? I said, well, here's the deal. My wife and I had COVID. I've been vaccinated. End of, end of, the, end of, the, end of the discussion. <laughs> I've got antibodies. But even before that, I still had the blood of Jesus. And I still have the blood of Jesus. Listen, if you want to get vaccinated, by all means, follow your conscience and follow the, God's will for your life and do it. If you don't want to, by all means, follow your conscience. Follow the word of God in his direction. By all means, don't. Just don't let anybody cause you to make a decision based on fear. Ever. And it's not just a COVID or a vaccine decision. It's a life decision in every situation. I mean, how many of us have prayed wrong or done wrong when our older kids did some things that made us scared for them? I'm being really honest here. Transplant. How many times it's like, oh my gosh, if my kid keeps doing this, they're going to have a major problem, so I have to intervene and I'm doing it out of fear. And the Holy Spirit did not give me any guidance. That's right. And I made the situation worse. 
Come on, we all have times like that. If you're old enough, you have times that you did it in your older kids. If you're young enough, you have times you did it in your younger kids. If you're even younger than that, you just have times you did it. <laughs> Bottom line. <coughs> but what happened was when all this COVID stuff and all this stuff hit, let me tell you what has happened to us without us seeing it. I hope, I, I hope today somehow our lives are a blessing to y'all. My wife came in here wanting to impart something from our lives to you. And hopefully and prayerfully, we do. I, I, it's my heart that you not just walk away blessed, but somehow you grab something from the heart of God for your life that helps you the rest of your life because of today. Not that you heard a, mess, a good message. I'm not here to look better. It, really, it's like I want Jesus to look better in your life because I was here today. That's all I want. And so let me tell you what's happened. We, the church has fallen into this thing called survival mode. You and I. My wife and I did. My church. Everywhere I go, I hear Christians. And I, now all it is is we just hunker down, trying to survive till this passes. And I might need you if, if, you, if you get some activation or thought, okay, or examples, baby. I, I appreciate it if, if God gives you something. New. But uh, COVID tried to put the world at a standstill, and it also tried to put the church at a standstill, and in many ways it has. I don't know if, if you can even remember three years back before it. I, I saw churches running after the promise that God gave them. And then all of a sudden, we had to hunker down. We had to put masks on so we, we hid our voice. We didn't want to offend anybody. So we, we just became, let me guard against this. But all of my forward progress, my offensive, offensive weapons, which can be offensive, my offense has turned into just be defensive mode. Gather around. Everybody hold your shields around you. And let's protect ourselves from the fiery darts and let's huddle in small groups, and Zooms and Facebooks, messengers or whatever. Let's just huddle in our small groups and because there's just too much uncertainty around us and everything else. And that was never God's plan for the church. But I'm going to tell you what, what's going on now. By the way, today's resurrection time for Harvest Valley Church. There's a resurrection God's calling forth today. Calling us to thrive instead of survive. For you, if you're in this room, I don't care what church you go to. If you're in this room, you're called to thrive, not to survive. It's time we shake that stuff off. It's time we just say, enough's enough. Enough's enough. I tell you, worship, there was such breakthrough going on in worship today. My, 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 the songs, the songs were the absolute right songs for us to believe, not just sing. Really, to connect to and, and let them be words that, that, that grab those things that are really in our heart and rise it up to heaven.
This is who we are. Fear grips so many, even in a church. My gosh, I, I have heard more fear talk than anything, more than faith talk these days amongst believers. True. I hear believers talk about what they're afraid of and what has happened. What has happened was yesterday. It has happened. Today's a new day. His mercies are new every day. Amen? His mercies are new every day. I got grace for today that's better than the grace I had for yesterday. There's a new grace for me waiting when I wake up. Really. There's actually a renewing of the things of God every single morning I wake up to let the sun, Jesus, shine on my life that day in a new way and waking up the things that he's promised all these years. I mean, we, we are like, almost like, like John the Baptist when he was in the, in the dungeon just waiting for his sentence. Things had to change. It was time for a new day for the church. John the baptizer was amazing. He was called by God to point the way, and now the way was standing right in front of us. Jesus came in the fullness of time, and it's still the fullness of time. Satan tried to shut up the church. He tried to stop it. He's tried to stop its forward progress in many ways he has. We got spending more energy on what do we do about this situation and we lose the sight of the big picture. You know, it's easy for somebody to get busied in the problem at the moment and we lose sight of our calling and we lose sight of the vision that God's got called for us. Amen. It's true. It's true. I'm telling you what, all you, you don't have to totally defeat somebody. You just get them focused on something really minor. and Well, we think it's gigantic, but it's really small. Because yeah. it's not eternal. There's a lot of problems I put too much energy into that are not eternal problems. Really. I mean, can I, I'm going to be... A, a little rough here, but I, I, it's just me. I don't, I don't have eloquent words to explain some things or, or eloquent ideas about something. But let's say I'm having a hard time paying a bill. Or, um, let's say I'm having a hard time paying my bills. It's like, but to me, all of a sudden, I get the bill. It's like, oh, my gosh, my whole world's falling apart. What am I going to do now? And, and, and I get gripped with the fear of the moment. And I get gripped with how is this going to work and what can I do to change it. And all of my energy is there when I could actually still be praising God because he is still God in my life. I could actually be joyful that I'm still his. You know how many times it's been hard to pay bills in life? Come on. Everybody in this room's had them. You're still here. You're still alive. You're still breathing. I got starved out of Louisiana. I thought it was terrible. I lived in Louisiana for 30-something years. I've now been in Wyoming more than half my life, I think. Yep, I have been. And so I never thought I would ever leave. I mean, I didn't want to. 
I got starved out. I got laid off. Too many people got laid off. There wasn't any work and everything else. Seemed like the end of the world. It seemed like everything was going to crush, but I'm still standing. God wasn't done with me then. He's not done with me yet. You know, I, I used to think I, I'd never live to be 50. My wife knows it's true. She actually had to walk me through some healing for that. Because I didn't, I really honestly didn't think I'd live to be past 50. I actually, I actually was cursing myself, my future, based on my belief that 50 was it. Well, when I hit 49, it was the worst year of my life. Based on a belief system that I had, this is it. This is my last year. Crazy, crazy stuff. People are crazy. Me too. <laughs> We're crazy. We, we buy stuff and believe stuff that's not based on any kind of truth because truth is a person and his name is Jesus. And that's solid. Always has been, always will be. He was there before the foundation of the earth. Before it was ever God's mind to make planet earth. Before it was ever in his, in his mind. Before you was in his mind, Jesus is. Amen? And it still is. That is a solid, firm foundation we can stand on and grab hold of. And whatever storms of life come, if this is the one thing I know, God loves me, God has me, and God is good. And nothing around me is going to change this. I'm God's. He's mine. He's good. What about that bill? It'll work out. It's not going to kill me. What about the sick kid? He'll get well. What about you're sick right now? I'll get over it. Why? Because God's mine. God's good. He's with me. He's for me. He still fights my battles, by the way. He's still God. And by the way, his call and plans for my life aren't done yet. So come what may, whatever you throw at me, devil, yeah. it can't stop me because God has called purpose into my life. His plan's not done. So whatever you're throwing at me is to get my eyes off of his plan. Yeah. It's not to take me down. Well, if you're, if you're still... If you're still thinking immaturely like I do at times, I just want the problems to go. My prayer life is, oh, God, please make this go away. And that becomes the extent of my prayer life, right? Fix everybody so my life's better. And what if he's, he's actually saying, what if I should be saying, God, in this world, there is tribulation. There's trials and there's stuff. I'm in it. I'm not of it. So show me, even in the midst of this, how to look and find your face. How to remind myself of who I am and whose I am. And how to reconnect to your purpose. Ha, ha, ha. Reconnect for your plans for my life. To restart my vision renew a right spirit in me in Jesus name and so
It's resurrection time. Satan tried to, to shut all this down. He, he really did. And all we've been doing is trying to figure out how to navigate in the middle of all the change. Because the church has changed some. And I think some of it's been good. Some of it's been really, really good. I connect with people I never connected with before this on a weekly, daily, monthly basis. I mean, I, you know, some of you guys know Mark Crawford. Every single month I'm on, I'm on him on Zoom. I, we wasn't doing that before. I'd see him once a year, twice a year. Now I can connect with people who influence my life and a whole lot more. I mean, I learned a little techie stuff, a little techie stuff. Yeah, when that's going, a little, I can't see between your fingers, techie stuff, but uh, <coughs> we learn how to do new way, things, we learn how to communicate sometimes in a bigger, wider variety, we learn how to do FaceTime, we learn how to do Zooms, we learn how to do something I would not have picked up and learned, I would have left it to the younger in, in generation, you know, they're born with a computer chip in their genes. They really are. It's just, they're born. I mean, anytime you can't figure out your phone, just give it to a nine-year-old. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. All right. It's resurrection time. It's resurrection time. Who in here, you're just so tired of surviving. Stand up, please. You're just tired of it. I mean... We, we've gone along surviving long enough. Amen? We, this is Super Bowl going on right now. Right now. In this room. It's time for you to be a superhero. Because the world needs you. The commendable works that you do is needed out there. Some people have to have hope that goes against all hope. We need some Abrahams. We need some people to say, yeah, I'm, I'm 100 years old, 90-something years old. Yep, I can still have a child. I'm not, I'm not wishing that on you, but I, I, I'm just saying there has to be something that can rise up inside of us that says there's a bigger God than the situations going on around us. Somebody has to say, I'm going to hope anyway. I don't care what it looks like. Somebody has to rise up and say, it's my resurrection. I'm going to grab hold of it. When that said it so clear this morning when she said, when we're singing the song and he's running after it. His goodness is running after us. And I, as she was singing it, I couldn't help but get busted by the goodness of God because I saw myself turn around and it was still running towards me. Just let it, let it smash into me, knock me over. Let his, let his goodness just overtake all the stuff that's been clouding my mind. Let his goodness resurrect me back to the days of hope. Back to the days of faith. Back to the days of believing for something bigger than me. Amen? Believing for my family again. Believing for miracles again. Oh, but I prayed for somebody and they died. So did I. Many of people. John Wimber, the guy that, that started uh, the Vineyard Church said he prayed for a thousand people before the first one got healed. Prayed a thousand times 
and felt like he failed because he didn't get healed. But every single time, he was building up something inside of his heart. Every single time, he was getting closer till he hit the thousand and one time. Wow. Well, God, but I, I, I just don't like to pray for people and not get healed. But if you don't, you're never going to see one. I used to tell people when we do CPR, and I was doing CPR training at work, and, and, every, and I'd have guys say, I'm never going to do that. Because they heard, well, I can break their lungs, or what if I do something wrong? And I looked at them, I said, you can't kill a dead person. If somebody doesn't know Jesus, they're already dead. You can't kill them. You cannot make a mistake at reaching out to someone in love. Let me give you that. Let me give you permission to try to go after them, to try to reach somebody and touch their life with love, knowing that you cannot possibly, in love, make a mistake. You cannot kill someone who's dead. But if you do nothing to somebody whose heart quits beating, there is no hope. People are so hopeless around you and I right now. This, we live in such a hopeless time. If the church doesn't have hope, there's no hope. There's no hope left if you and I don't want to become mature enough and responsible enough to say, I'm grabbing it. It's time. I'm going to be an ambassador of hope to this world. I'm going to be hope for somebody. Amen. From here on out, what you got, babe? Biblical story. Satan wanted to kill Jesus. Why? So that people would not come to him and restore a relationship with God. So he killed him. And what did the apostles and disciples do? Go hide. Similar to what we're doing now. We not, not all of us are hiding because I don't think they were all 100% hiding. They were talking about it and trying to build each other up. And then they get a little bit more feeble. And then they try. There was always a remnant trying to reach out. But Satan thought he killed Jesus. But on the third day, he rose. Satan cannot kill the church unless we allow him to. That's right. That's we right. can resurrect. And after that, with what is it, 40 days was the, the Holy Spirit came and the church radically changed and rocked the world. Yep. It only took that one day. That so one what if this COVID is just the, the precedent of, what's that? Okay, help me with the word. What's that? The pre-port of the church rocking the world again. Yep. Thank you. What if what if we can be the women who are going to go there and say he was alive, come back and say he's alive, I saw him? It doesn't have to be a, just women, it could be men. What if I'm the one saying, okay, all right, yeah, this is all going on, but he was Jesus. He did this, he did this, he did this for me, he did this, he did this. Waiting for that third, third day, and he is resurrected, and then waiting for that power to come and then blow it all up. The church changed from when Jesus walked to after Pentecost. It changed. It was still Jesus, but it changed the way it looked. It changed the way it acted. Yep. It changed the way it reached out. People were being martyred and willing to be martyred 
because of what was happening at that time. It is an opportunity for the church to rock what Satan tried to do and block it and stop it and blow it up. Blow it up in his face. But we got to be willing to say, me. You know, we're, we're just as guilty. We were just, we've been sitting home more than we've ever sat home. And now finally, when Chris and me called us, we said, this is it, this is it, we're stopping. It's resurrection time. It's resurrection time. It's time yeah. to start going back out. Yeah. It's time to get out off the couch. It's time of, you know, we do, we go, you know what I mean? It just, I felt like we were in a slump mode. And you just fall into it. Every, we just fall in, and the more we try, we were trying to do things, and it was like those in the upper room, trying and talking of the testimonies, building up, and I found, we said, that's it. It's time. It's time to blow this stuff up. It's time. I'm willing to wear a mask a little longer than I normally will want to. I'm going to not sit back anymore. Amen. I'm a, now, it's going to take some steps. It's going to take some adjustments. We're not going to do all the changes in one day. But are you ready to be resurrected? Are you ready to make a difference again in this world? Like Sandpoint is yes, called I to am. do. Yes, I am. That Harvest Valley is called to do. As you as an individual is called. Are you ready to resurrect and start making some changes? And go before the presence of God and hear what he says and listen. So let's pray. While you're standing up, hold your hands out. Come on, let's receive something from God. Let's make a declaration to him too. Just, I want you to receive right now. Say this first. Pick me, God. Now say it like you mean it. Pick me, God. Pick me, God. Pick me. Here I am. In your hands. Under your call. I'm going to stand in your power. I receive your grace. To accomplish everything. That you've had for my life. From the very beginning you thought of me. I was more than a conqueror then, and I'm more than a conqueror now, through your son Jesus. Amen. I will not back up. I will receive my forward call. My destiny will not go to waste. You'll not have to look for another. I say yes from this day forward by your help and grace in Jesus name now Father I just ask that you pour your love and grace upon everybody your presence has been here so great been so hard to stand here and talk so I know you're breathing upon hearts you're stirring you're building up faith Father you call, that's what you called us here for I didn't know what it was all about you just called us here to, to build up one another. Each part supplies what the other part needs. And so, Father, I thank you that your church that, that's represented in this room today, and I pray all over our country and all over the world, that your church 
your church is rising up to a new level rising up to its faith that it's called to be ha 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 and all I got to say to the enemy is ha 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 I'll laugh at you I'll laugh at the plans of the enemy is that you <laughs> oh God you're so good so good you're so good we're going to make it we're coming out of the closet we're coming out of survival mode we're stepping into the light we're stepping into our forward call in Christ Jesus breathe upon your church fresh fire fresh wind breathe fresh fire fresh wind fresh fire fresh wind fresh fire fresh wind not by power not by might but by my spirit says the Lord amen amen love you guys Come on, so good. Come on, give me a hand. We want to close out today with an invitation for you to sew into Tony and Gwinnett. Um, if for um, if you at all feel like you wanna you wanna sew into them, we're gonna take up an offering. You're you can fill it out in your envelope and put it in. Um, the basket in the back today. But we do ask that you support their ministry and you fellowship with them in that every dime that you give, just mark it per terras on the envelope. Or if you give online, do special um, events, conferences, um, do that. And every dime that comes in for that is going directly to Tony and Gwinnett. Um, and just we want to sow into them because they so bless us. Amen. Amen. So I want to give you opportunity for that. Consider that. Pray about that. We always do that whenever our guest speaker comes in. It's been a while. So just reminding you to have an offering um, and, and ask the Lord, what do you want to sow into Tony and Gwinnett? Um, they wouldn't ask for one, but, but we do that um, for them. Let's, uh, let's close our time out in prayer, um, and then we'll be meeting back around 3 um, this afternoon for the Super Bowl for those that, that want to party. I like to party. Okay. All right, Father, we are so grateful for Tony and Gwinnett and what they bring to this house. We thank you that it is resurrection time. I thank you that those things that have been dead and buried get to stay dead and buried. And those things, God, that you are rising up are rising up. Father, I thank you so much, Tony and Gwinnett's love for Mika and me, their love for every person in this room. Father, I ask that you would begin to renew vision in their hearts for their next season. Will you guys just extend your hands to Tony? Gwinnett's over here. so Just extend your hands toward him. And I want you to pray out loud a blessing over them. Whatever's in your heart to pray a blessing, just begin to pray out loud right now. Father, we bless them in Jesus' name. Come on, church, just, just speak blessing over them. We bless you in Jesus' name. We declare the goodness of God over every part of your ministry, over every part of your heart, over every part of your mind. Yep, yep. Thank you, Lord. Yes. 
I want to remind you, Tony and Gwinnett, of the first prophetic word I ever gave you. And it was at the River of Life Church that first weekend that you came through and Ken had you guys share one night. And I got up and I gave you a prophetic word. And it was that everywhere that your feet tread, you will establish the kingdom. It's time for your feet to tread. It's bigger. It's bigger. It's bigger. And we got your back. You need teams to run with you? We'll run with you. Amen? <laughs> Whatever you need, we are here for you. Amen, church? Amen. Awesome. Well, we bless you. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.